Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. I do know where the book of Genesis is. It's the very first book in your Bibles. Amen. Genesis chapter number 12. There's a lot of things that I don't know, but if you want to start talking to me about the Bible, I might be able to have a handle on that. So Genesis chapter number 12, I'll also be reading from uh, chapter number 13 here tonight. I'm going to start with verse number 6. The Bible states these words, And Abram passed through the land into the place of Sychem, into the plain of Moreh, and the Canaanites was then in the land. The Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him, and removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. There he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. And there was a famine in the land. Everybody say a famine in the land. And Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. Skipping down to verse 20 of that chapter, the Bible says, And Pharaoh, this is after some time he's been in Egypt, and Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away and his wife, and all that he had. Chapter 13, verse number 1, the Bible says, And Abram went out, up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle, and silver, and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, and to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Hai, and to the place of the altar which he had made there at the first there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Amen. For a little while tonight, I'm going to minister this, and I'll be mindful of your time. I want to preach about back to the beginning. Back to the beginning. Amen. The Lord would help us. Pray that you pray for me. I'm just hard in body tonight for whatever reason. Amen. The Lord would help me. Amen. Tonight, and just give me physical strength to be able to execute what he needs. Amen. In the spiritual. Amen. Here this evening. Father, we come to you right now. We need, Lord Jesus, your spirit. God, in this place, I pray, Lord, every heart and every mind, God, that we be gathered together in this house this evening. God, I depend upon you, Lord Jesus, God, for endowment of power from on high. I pray, oh, Lord, that you have a minister, Father, to our minds. You have a Lord Jesus to educate us, Lord, through your word. God, more importantly, God, let your spirit come down and touch us. God, change us, challenge us. I pray, oh, Lord, today that we be not just charmed, but we would be changed. God, by the word of God, Lord, and we'll thank you and we'll praise you. God, for in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. Look at your neighbor and say, back to the beginning. Back to the beginning. Amen. Abraham has been ordered of God to depart from his land of the Ur of Chaldees, and he upon hearing the voice of God, left his kindred. He started on a journey with an undetermined destination. He went at the word go, not knowing where he would go, but knowing that God had said go. And it was to be a land that God would show him. 
God would educate him along the way what this land would be, where it would be, where the destiny of his feet would end in his travels. And so he traveled with the Lord as it would be, being his sole source of direction, being the compass for this journey in his life. They left, the Bible says, after they stayed a little moment of time at Haran, that they had left that place that they had dwelt at for a time and went forward with their eyes fixed upon Canaan, the land of promise. It was that lamb that was designed and spoken and described as the lamb that flowed with milk and honey. It was that undetermined destination from the very beginning that was yet to be revealed unto Abraham, that God had bound up in his divine plan for Abraham and his wife and their to-be family. And so the Lord giving them the direction as he would. They went forth, the Bible says, and they met their place of destiny. They arrived at the land of Canaan, and the Canaanites are there in the land, and they are exactly where they should and ought to be according to the Scripture. But not much time had passed that they had just already began to dwell here in this land. This land of promise that the Bible says that there was a grievous famine that arose upon the land. They had not been there long. They had already heard of the bounty of this land, the fertility, if you will, of the soil, how great the produce can be of the land, and not long being in the land, there is a grievous famine that's coming upon the land. The land that was supposed to produce for them things that would uh, somehow satiate, Lord, their appetite and be exactly what they needed, keep them from starving and be a, a appeasement to them and their appetite and what they had in their natural lives. Now they look looked at with a downward turned eye because there is a grievous famine all throughout the land. And it seems like the Bible says for this very sole reason, this only reason as it would seem, that Abraham and his family would leave this land that they just barely had any time in and left that place and went down into the Bible says the land of Egypt because they were met with a famine in the land of of Canaan. Someone say amen. We understand throughout scripture that there were famines that came upon lands, even God's promised land time and time again throughout God's world. The ancient world was not foreign to this subject of there being dearth or there being famine in the land. Many times there were areas or regions that were subjected to famine throughout the Old Testament. It was inevitable that somewhere along the journey, your life is going to be met with some type of famine. There's going to be some type of lack. There's going to be, if you will, a void of something there that is uh, that would satisfy your appetite or somehow grant unto you what you perceive that you need. And so it was inevitable that a famine was going to come upon the land, even the land of Canaan, the land of promise. And as a result of this, their station in life right now, knowing that this is going to happen to anybody at any point or place in life, they seem that their answer seemingly to their problem was to hightail out of what God had for their destiny and go down into Egypt. Famine is a universal problem. 
That's a problem of their day, amen, and it seems very similar of a problem, amen, of our day, maybe in different episodes of not famine of food, but it visited the old, it visited the young, it visited the rich, and it visited the poor. There are all kinds of various famines throughout the scripture mentioned in the Bible. The Bible says that Isaac experienced a famine in his lifetime, and whenever he did, he likewise left the land of promise, the land of Canaan and went down unto Gera. The Bible says that Jacob and his children endured and went through a famine of Egypt and the surrounding areas and they left everything that they were familiar with and the scriptures did it again. They succumbed to times of famine. Someone say amen. Amen. Famine subjected people to irrational thinking. You don't think well when you perceive that you're being starved. As a matter of fact, they often made corrupt choices because of the irrational thinking. It was a choice of desperation, according to them. They couldn't see how there could be provision in a time of famine. Could you give me a little bit more monitor? I'll monitor A on this mic here, please. I appreciate it. In the year 596, parents... It's many years ago, of course, but parents consumed their children. Human flesh was, in fact, a very common article of food because they got, came up with all types of different ways of preparing their children, the flesh of their children. Men catching became a regular business, and it was all due to a famine that happened in that year. In the second year of that famine, in 597, An eyewitness gave a very interesting account stating that the people throughout the country were driven to the last extremities. They were eating awful or waste parts and even their own dead. And it mentions as an instance of the dire straits to which they were driven that multitudes fled the country only to perish in the desert road to Palestine because of the famine that was in their land. To the response to almost any recorded famine in scripture was the people sojourning to a foreign land. Those that are starving will learn to eat anything that has a chance to give them the feeling of being full. During famine, they're willing to compromise what they would normally eat just so they can feel full. They don't care necessarily what it is, the integrity of it, just as long as they can be quote unquote satisfied or full temporarily and receive if they can some type of nourishment because of where they are, they feel like they're being starved. even some moldy bread that they would otherwise not eat, they will now partake of and consume it. It will be very satisfying, quote unquote, unto them because they're in a time of famine. Those that are starving will learn to be content even with small portions and lesser portions, even portions that may not even be deemed edible, amen, or normally acceptable because of the famine of their condition. A famine has a a way of desensitizing those that are starving, thinking that they will be satisfied with very little and the quality of food 
does not have to be what it once was. Even garbage will become acceptable to somebody that's in a family. But up until this time, Abraham's journey had been one of faith. He didn't know where he was going, but he trusted who was guiding him. He didn't know his path, but he trusted the unseen hand of God to direct him. So now that he reached that place of promise and that place of Canaan, there is a famine so forth in the land but this is where God told him to be this is where God wanted him and although there was a famine in the land it caused Abraham to second guess where he was it caused Abraham to second guess is this where God said for me to be because there's a lot going on right now that if this is where God wants me at and this is where God has me why does it feel like I'm being starved today why is it that my appetite is not being taken care of in this place? And all of this happened and it caused Abraham to start looking at the tangible things rather than the intangibles and the invisible supply of his almighty faithful God that's been faithful all along the way. And for Abraham and his family, he said, here's what we're going to do. Amen. The Bible says that Abraham did this. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to leave where God told us to be. We're going to leave the land of promise that God told us to go from. And for the immediate relief, in order for our appetites and the starving to stop, the solution to the famine for us is that we must go down to Egypt and we must sojourn there as Esau. Amen. Sold his birthright to Jacob. Let's just ponder off and sell. Amen. This promise for a lesser promise of that of Egypt. Someone say amen. amen. Because I need to go somewhere and get an immediate, an immediate relief right now to my hunger. And so the answer, according to Abraham, was leave the promise, go down to Egypt, and satisfy my appetite. Abraham. You're in a famine. You're not thinking straight. You're thinking irrational. You're going to make some flubbed up choices in the process of this famine. Everybody's lives at some time or another subjected to a famine. Men greater than you and mightier than you, more prominent than you, have had their times of famine. And it bears out throughout the history of the scripture. The answer is not always going to a foreign land. I want to preach to somebody tonight that maybe have started out on a journey. You didn't know where it was headed or where it was going when you first started this journey. But it led you, if you will, to the house of God. It led you to a relationship with God. And after you've been there for so long in your journey, so long in your presence and power of God, it seems like you're starving. It seems like you're just, your appetite's not being fed, quote unquote, like it used to be fed. And you're thinking in your mind, I gotta find out some way in order to appease the appetite that's going in side of me and you're not looking in the land of promise you're not looking in the house of God you're not looking in the word of God you're not falling on your knees to God in prayer in order to find the answer to your need but you got wondering eyes for a foreign land to appease the appetite that only God some would say amen 
I wish I had a stronger voice tonight. I'd stand up on the mountain and proclaim it as a 10,000 trumpets. Amen. But here is the problem. God said, this is where I want you to go. And rather than trusting God, even during the moment in which he felt like their appetites weren't being sufficed, he looked elsewhere and he began to compromise what he would ingest. They began to compromise. They ate, if you will, the food of Egypt. Don't you know that when the children of Israel ever left Egypt and went to the promised land, the very thing that held them is that they had acquired an appetite for the things of Egypt. You... We come to the house of God and I don't feel the moving of his spirit like I used to. And this ain't satisfying my appetite like it used to. It's exactly like Brother Glassville spoke of on that first Sunday morning. Being numb. I don't feel that like I used to. I don't feel the power of the presence. And what we do is make irrational choices during those times. And we try to settle our appetite with things other than the land of promise. We think that's the answer. And we start deriving, quote unquote, our satisfaction from a different place of origin. When Abraham went to Egypt, he settled for less than what God had designed for him. He went down into Egypt. Anytime Egypt spoken of scripture, it is usually always, hey, they went down into Egypt. Because if you were in Jerusalem, you were in a high place. You were in a lofty place. Anytime in the other areas, Egypt was in somewhat of a depressed state. And anytime you went to Egypt, it was a downward spiral. It was a going down into Egypt. Egypt, one of the greatest powers of the ancient Near Eastern world. Its beginning was characterized as a place of wisdom. It was a place of refuge. It was a place of hope. Oh, but all they really provided was a false wisdom and a false hope. It was a false refuge. Amen. As the Hebrews were fleeing and placing their trust, they were placing their trust in a dying nation rather than a living God. They were placing their trust in something that could not uphold them. Isaiah even spoke of Egypt. He said, you're a bunch of fools to even put your trust in Egypt, thinking that Egypt's going to deliver you. Egypt, he says, is like a staff that is broken. If a man would lean upon it, it would pierce him through his hand. It's a poor comforter. It's a poor answer. It's a poor solution. It's a poor, if you will, alternative. Egypt is not something that you can depend upon. Throughout the scripture, Egypt has been the symbol of the, the world system and its bondage and its slavery and its deception. No doubt it was embellished with gold and no doubt it was embellished with silver and no doubt there was all kinds of traded goods that took place there and flowed up and down the Nile River that it lied along its banks and the river supplied water to the crops and artificial irrigation for the people so that they would have harvest and so that they would have food. But that was quite different than how things operated in the land of promise. While they had the Nile River through artificial irrigation to bring a harvest for food in the land of Canaan, the land that flowed with milk and honey, the crops upon the mountains and in the valleys had no artificial watering system. 
But if there was going to be food in the land, it's because there's going to come rain from heaven. If there was going to be food in the land, if there was going to be absent of famine in the land, it's going to be because heaven had some type of interaction. So it's amen. And by the divine act of rain from heaven, however, when we read concerning Abraham's life, his trip to Egypt on the surface seemed to have been very profitable. For Abraham and his family. It's just like the old saying, a new broom sweeps clean. Everybody likes the job when they first start it. Right? Everybody likes the job when they start it. Everybody's marriage is happy when it's day one. Everybody... This is no reflection here, but everybody loves the pastor when he first starts his tenure. The new broom sweeps clean. So it seemed to be pretty profitable. Pray for him. This is the right choice. We responded appropriately to the famine that was in Canaan. I mean, my goodness. The Bible teaches us he has increased his numbers of sheep. While he's been there. He's increased his number of oxen. While he's been there. He's got more donkeys than he ever had. More, more, more. He donkeys and she donkeys than he ever had. He has more men servants. More maid servants. He has more camels than he ever had. And he puts all of that tallying up to the fact that he went down in Egypt. During a time of famine. He's gleaned and he's garnered. He has the bounty of the land. At his fingertips. But the bounty of the land, the livestock of the land, the men servants and the maid servants of the land will only be what Egypt can offer. It'll be regulated by his location. I'd be a fool tonight to tell you that Egypt don't have donkeys and Egypt don't have camels and Egypt don't have men servants and maid servants and Egypt does not have food. Just the same as I'd be a fool to tell you that the world doesn't have fun and they don't have pleasure and they don't have good times and rock and roll times and high spirited times. I would be a fool to tell you that they don't because they do. But what I can tell you is this. All of that fun, all of that highlight is at the regulation of the location. Is that the regulation of the location? You, you cannot have the crop of Canaan in Egypt. You can't have the men servants and the maid servants of Canaan in Egypt. What you get in Egypt will be regulated by Egypt. Abraham has gleaned and garnered the bounty of the land. But the irony of the situation is this. The very thing that Abraham thought was his answer. The very thing that he thought was a good idea. I'm sitting here over in Canaan starving. I wish I could count the, the times that I've talked to other pastors. And they said people left their church because they said they weren't being fed. I wish I could count the number of times. I wonder really sometimes how diligent Abraham and his family was to try to find the food that was in Canaan. Uh -huh. yeah. 
But nevertheless, they're in this situation or mode of starving. And it's the irony of the situation is in verse number 20. They said, Egypt is my answer. We got bounty from there, men servants, maid servants, all type of livestock. But the Bible says in verse 20, and Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, commanded his men concerning him, concerning Abraham. And they sent Abraham away and his wife and all that he had. Here's the situation. Abraham says, we're starving over here. We got to find something to satisfy the appetite. So we're jumping ship on the promise and we're going to Egypt. Egypt's given me men servants and maid servants. Egypt has satisfied more than just my tummy here. I have an increase, if you will, of produce, an increase, if you will, of people since I've been here. But now here is the problem. The very thing that Abraham had put his confidence in, the very thing that Abraham had anchored his life in, the very thing that Abraham had put his trust in, is now looking Abraham in the face and telling him, Abraham, you can't stay here. You don't belong here. You got to get out of here. We're refusing you. We're rejecting you. And the question that I have tonight is whenever what you perceive to be your answer looks you in the face and say you don't belong here and you're rejected, where are you going to go from there? What will you do when Egypt rejects you? This, I don't going to hold you much longer. This is the response of Abraham. When what I perceive to be my answer rejects me. When whatever I thought was the better end of the deal rejects me. When what I thought would be better than, than just walking through the time of what I felt was starving in the promise. He says in verse number one, and Abraham, Genesis 13, and Abraham went up out of Egypt. If it's refusing me, if it's rejecting me, it doesn't matter how much it's given me, per se. I'm coming up out of Egypt, and I'm going, and I'm taking my wife with me. You know what the amazing thing is? Many times we don't go to Egypt all alone. We take people in the peripheral of our life, families, children, generations, down in Egypt with us. And what you said was the answer for you, you're saying is the answer for everybody. But whenever Egypt rejects everybody, you need to have the tenacity of Abraham says, hey, I got us all in this mess and we're getting out of here. This is not what I thought it was. This is not going to be the solution to what I thought I needed. He got himself, he got his family, he even lot, all of them, they went to the south, the Bible says. And here it is, here he is, he's coming out of Egypt. Don't, don't be, don't be over, overwhelmed with this, but he's very rich in cattle and in silver and in gold. But the Bible says he continued on his journey from the south even to Bethel. Look what the Bible says, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai. You know what Abraham came to a conclusion of? He says, you know where I need to get back to I need to get back to where I was in the beginning 
I might have silver, I might have gold, I might have men servants and maid servants, but that's all at the hand of Egypt. I need to get back to where I was in the beginning and see what the land of promise, the God of promise, can bestow upon my life. Someone say yes. He said, I got to get back to my altar. Back at the place of beginning. In this little time that Abraham and his family is in Egypt, there's one thing we never read about, and that's their altar. Here is the moral of the story. If what you perceive to be your answer exempts you and your family without an altar, you better think again. If you're trading silver and gold and you're giving your altar for it, I don't care how many men servants, how many maid servants, how much cattle, how much camels you get out of the deal. If you got to sacrifice your altar for it, you better think again. He says, I got in the mercy of God allowed him to come out out of that place with all this garbage from Egypt amen and allowed him to get back to the beginning where his altar was amen had no altar in Egypt but I got to get back to the beginning where my altar is my altar along the way is what drove me to the promise to begin with my altar along the way is what kept me in touch with the heavenlies to bring me to the land of promise you know what I've just come to determine that I'll just go along with my altar even during another time of famine sometime in the future because I know there's going to be another one and when it seems like I'm being starved I'm going to search and I'm going to seek out the God of heaven and the land of promise because surely God's got some provision around here because the answer is not Egypt Pharaoh gave Abraham a lot a lot of wealth Sarah was given her own maid by the name of Hagar in Egypt. As a matter of fact, if you were to do a survey, everything that Abraham received in Egypt later caused him trouble in the future. He would have a relationship with Hagar, give birth to Ishmael, an Ishmael that would mock the son of promise caused disruption with Sarai and says, this is bothering me. Let's cast her and the, him and the bondwoman out. It would cause Abraham to stand before God and say, God, remember Ishmael. And God would say, hey, the best I can do for that boy is bless him, but my covenant's with Isaac. There would even never been a conversation like that had no one went down to Egypt. Can I go a step further? We have a long war that's still taking place today between the Jews and the Palestinians, which is the line of Ishmael and the line of Isaac all the way back then. We wouldn't be dealing with that today had someone keep their feet in the land of promise during a time of famine and was not saying yes to Egypt. Not only that, not only that, because of the great wealth that both Abraham and Lot 
exited Egypt with, the Bible says that there became dispute between Lot's herdsmen and Abraham's herdsmen that they could not live together anymore and one had to choose one way and another had to choose another way because of the greatness of their substance and all of that came from Egypt. You see the spin tail of the things because of all this, because of all this, the Bible says whenever they were given the choice to choose what land they were going to have, Abraham tells Lot, you choose. And the Bible says he looked over here at the well-watered, if you will, plains. And he, the Bible even speaks in particular that those well-watered plains, look, Genesis 13, verse 10, and Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well-watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, Lot! the land of Egypt as thou comest to Zoar. Lot even made a choice for Sodom and Gomorrah because it was similar to the Egypt he had known. There was an appetite that was impressed on that boy so that even though he left Egypt, he was still carrying a desire. He said, so I'll choose this land because this is similar to what I had to leave. But oh, Lot would never have to contended with that appetite had they never went down to Egypt. Someone say amen. Oh, so there's division. Look what's going on. Division and separation. Division and separation. Brought Abraham's home and family. Hagar and the maid, the substance, all that it's causing is division and separation. Egypt has a way of doing that. Lot says, I've tasted Egypt. I've tasted the world. And now I'm going to measure everything by what I saw there, what I experienced there. It led to the downfall and the ruin of his family so that he would pitch his tent towards Sodom. And he would later dwell in Sodom. And later he would be the magistrate at the gate of Sodom. Insomuch that when God said it was time to leave Sodom, the Bible says, and while he yet lingered at Sodom. Egypt. Egypt. The pulse of Egypt was coursing through his veins. If you'll stand for me, I'll close. I told you I wasn't going to hold you long. I gotta, I'll stay true to my promise. Abraham says, the solution for this is we got to get back to the beginning. Got to get back to the beginning. A very practical lesson from all this is don't you ever abandon your altar. In any place that you can't build an altar and pitch your tent is a place that you need to consider to be out of bounds. Now here is the greatest cloud of doom and despair I can bring. <laughs> I don't really want to end like this, but I think it's important to understand the gravity of the situation. The most serious dilemma is this. The weeks and time that Abraham and his family spent in Egypt, and that his household was away from where they first began, were lost they would never be able to regain the weeks they had spent in Egypt. It's time lost. God says, this is where I want you. He says, but no, I'm starving here. We're going through a dry spell here. I'm going to seek out other, other means.
you go there, oh yeah, you're going to be loaded down, but it's going to be regulated by what Egypt can offer. Let me tell you, there is no comparison between what heaven can give you and what the world can give you. I'm not saying the world can't give you anything, nothing, because they can. But what I'm saying is, it pales in comparison to what heaven can give you. Pales to the place of temporal to eternal. From temporal to eternal. What are you saying, Brother McGee? I'm saying this. Buck up, buddy, because there will be a famine somewhere along the way. In the land of promise, there's going to be famine somewhere along the way. But it's what you do during those moments. If you got shifting eyes, fleeting for something to per se satisfy. So we get callous sometimes and we get we get indifferent. We do. We all do. Including me. Be flat honest with you. There's times. There have been times in my past. I've sat up here even during the worship service. I'm praising God. My hands are up. But I'm almost, listen to me, entertained to a certain degree. And I start watching these musicians and see their talents and skills. And I'm just kind of like, you know, I just sit there and kind of like, wow, really? But that's not what God wants. Thank God for good musicians and skilled players and play skillfully. But what God wants is, is my worship. What God wants is me to connect with Him. And not just be amazed of a person's fingers going up and down on a guitar. You know, I thought you was only supposed to use one spot of that neck. But you used the whole thing. You understand what I'm saying? Have you ever just found yourself in all of just the mechanics of a service? Get intoxicated by the preacher's voice. But lose the meaning of why you're here. And in those moments, what's happening is we leave and we feel like we're being starved when the reality is we just haven't ate. And so we think what we do is make miscalculations and start appeasing our appetite with things not of the land of promise. And they come in and they fill voids that were meant to be filled by Him. His presence and before we know too long our appetite's starting to change our desires are starting to change don't do it sir don't do it ma'am because whatever time you spend in Egypt is time you cannot go back and retrieve but you can go from here on and the purpose of this sermon tonight is this let's just get back to the beginning let's get back to the beginning Let's do some first works over. Let's find our first love again. Let's make sure the altar is in good repair. Let's talk to the God of heaven. It says, Lord, this is where I pledge my allegiance. This is where I make my consecration, Lord, with you in the peaks and in the valleys, God. It's with and for you. Let's go back to the beginning. Hallelujah. Can we raise our hands all across this building? Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.